Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. And welcome to the weekend preview on the Athletic Football Podcast, sponsored by Bet365. I'm Dan Bardell with George Ellick and Bet365 Steve Freeth alongside me for one last time this season to preview the Champions League final between Liverpool and Real Madrid. We'll also reflect a little on the final day of the Premier League season two and cast our minds forward to next season, but Gareth Southgate announced his latest England squad for the upcoming Nations League games against Hungary, Germany and Italy next month. Steve, come to you first. Thoughts on the squad? I've got no opinion. Don't bother coming to me. I don't I care. Welcome to you. <laughs> George, thoughts on the squad? Just delighted to see Jared Bowen being rewarded. Yeah, he um, deserves it. For, for, yeah, I mean, it's not just um, just good form over the past few months. You know, he is clearly a very, very good English footballer who offers something different that we don't necessarily have. He's that kind of attacking, um, direct goal threat from wide. Uh, he fits in very well to the system. Uh, you know, the 4-3-3 three, three that, that we normally see um, Gareth Southgate play. And even when it's a three at the back, it's generally a, a three up top as well. So I'm delighted to see him get some recognition. Really happy to see uh, Tamori being recalled back to the squad as well. Yeah. It was a bit of a joke that he wasn't. Sometimes, you know, I'm I will defend Gareth Southgate as much as I possibly can, but it is interesting how sometimes arbitrary things like winning a league can suddenly see you um kind of cement yourself back into into the, the picture when um when actually performances have been good throughout. And interesting as well to see James Madison left out. Uh, I know it's upset a lot of people. Um I, I guess there's still a bit of animosity there and we know how how highly um Gareth Southgate values the personality as well as the the player as well and it does feel like maybe uh, Madison's behaviour in, in in pre- previous when he was previously called up has, has cost him his chance under under the current manager yeah, you can't pick everyone unfortunately if we wanted everyone's picks for the squad we'd probably have about 45 50 man squad so Although, you can't do that you know this time this time well not this quite this time last year but 18 months ago uh, anyone telling you or I that the Jack didn't fit because of his character and things we were telling them where to where to shove it so you know we've got to, exactly. <laughs> got to remember that um, there will be Leicester fans out there who watch Madison week in week out and, and will know in their opinion that, that England the England squad would be a you know, a more potent attacking force with a minute and that's totally fair because he's a he's a, a genial player yeah I'm sure Gareth Southgate will be impressed with Jack's potency on the beers this week <laughs> Steve just a, just a quick word I certainly have I yeah, certainly have yeah very just a impressive. quick word from you on Jared Bowen he does offer something different like like George says he's probably benefiting as well from the fact that people who were certs to be in the Euro squad like Rashford and Sancho are just miles off it at the moment so it does feel like there is a space for him going into the Christmas World Cup very much so, Dan. And if you had taken the 10 to 1 about him not so long ago, bidding that squad, you'd be pretty happy now because he's odds on with ourselves. Is it? 10 to 11. Yeah, so he's odds on to do that. Players like Sancho, 11 to 10 now. So he's a short price than, than Sancho to go to the World Cup. Goals, assists. He's had a, you know, a brilliant season for West Ham. Good luck to him. That 11 to 10. I mean, it's, a, it's early on the podcast for a tip or for a bet, but I, I think that's a big price. Um, you know, I, I think Sancho is obviously miles off it, as you say, Dan, but I can guarantee you that. Uh, that Tenag 
And I'm looking at this squad. We'll have his name firmly circled as someone who was an elite footballer on the on the European stage not so long ago. I'm pretty sure he'll be pretty much the first name on the team sheet. And if Manchester United make any kind of a start to the, to the Premier League campaign next season, you've got to think he's going to get a chance to, sh- to prove himself again before the before the tournament starts. I'd have him. I'd, I'd have him a higher than a fifty percent likelihood of making the squad. In which case, he'd be odds on. Yeah, me too. Rashford, 11 to 8, which I, which I agree with. And uh, yeah, in hindsight, I would say that, that Sancho, for the main reason that George highlighted about Ten yeah. Hag as well. Be quick, be quick, because it might be 10 on by the time of the end of this show. Yeah, George causing <laughs> us to tumble again. Right then, let's move away from England and look ahead to the big fixture of the weekend. It's the Champions League final, a replay of the 2017-2018 Champions League final. It's Liverpool against Real Madrid. That, of course, was the Carrius final. God, some dark days for Liverpool. They've come a long way since then, especially in goalkeeping terms. The big story of the week, Steve, is that Mbappe, he pretty much broke the internet this week, pretty much broke social media as well. It's all been about Kylian Mbappe. How important for... Like broken football as well, isn't he, I think? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's broken some wide structures. That, that's even for BSJ. I think he's broken <laughs> some wide structures. How important is it now for Real Madrid to just get on with it and go and win this Champions League final, Steve? Yeah, I think so. It's... It's a frustrating one for uh, for Real Madrid. They've been here before with this calibre of player. I think with Neymar, they thought it was a done deal. They made a lot of changes back then. Uh, Perez was very disappointed about, about missing out on Neymar and he made it his mission for somebody to find the next Neymar. And um, he did that by a, a gentleman by the name of Juni Califat. I speak to someone in Spain today about that, who was employed by him to scour South America to find out, you know, these these top world-class South American players, Vinicius, Rodrigo to name, but two, which he, which yeah, he, he managed. Did, he did a decent job with that yeah, scouting. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he did, yeah. And, of course, and now he, he, he now actually leads the world, uh, worldwide operation for them. Valverde, Camavinga, Militeo as well. You know, those type of players. So... This guy clearly knows what he's doing. So, but it is a, a hugely frustrating, particularly for them when they, you know, what it's like when they think, well, this is over the line. You know, we can't wait. Benzema was talking about him, I think, as well as being, oh, can you, you know, saying some glowing things in the press as if he was already joining. And then for him to to turn around and say he's uh, he's, he's he's stopping at PSG is uh, he's a bit of a hammer hammer blow for the football club. But it, you know, it's still regardless. You know, going forward, they seem to be in in it in a good place with so many good players and some of the ones that I've just mentioned there. So it's not all doom and gloom, but it could have been a lot better. Yeah, I guess in a few years' time, George Mbappe will probably end up there anyway. Like Steve says, they've been hoovering up some of the best young talent in world football over the last few years. He was pretty keen not to burn any bridges, wasn't he? I mean, coming out and saying straight afterwards, I'm going to be, you know, I'll be there, I'll be supporting Madrid, I'm a Real Madrid fan, all this stuff. I mean, it's pretty rare. You know, if you'd seen Cristiano Ronaldo, what, over a decade ago, uh, before he did sign for Madrid, coming out with those kind of statements off the back of, of staying at United for another season, there'd have been riots on the street of Manchester. You can't go around courting another club and to be so brazenly... I can do what he wants by the, know, by the sounds of it. But just to, to so brazenly kind of admit that you are very close to coming and it's not happening now, but I feel sorry for them and all this stuff. Like, it does seem a bit soap opera, really, doesn't it? Mm. Some good news for our Madrid fans, though. I mean, and this name absolutely rolls off the tongue in a Brummie accent. Aurelian <laughs> Tushamene. <laughs> I don't even know if I've said that right from Monaco for 80 million euros. That looks like it could happen as early as next week, George. Yeah, I mean, he's not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend he's a player that I've seen um, bundles of, but he's obviously comes with a big reputation. Um, I think quite often when you see super clubs, um, 
humbled and maybe embarrassed on the world stage, not saying that Mbappe not moving to Real Madrid has done that, but certainly they would want to very quickly put that behind them and go out and make a statement of intent. Pretty similar. Especially I think, if they lose to, the final as well. They'll, they'll really want to well, play exactly. that up. You know, it's similar to when uh, after the Real Madrid semi-final, um, I think it was no coincidence how quickly City moved to get that Haaland deal over the line and announce it and basically put a put a pin in in what was a, a pretty disappointing period for them. So, yeah, I mean, there's no denying the talent that Real Madrid have, um, despite La Liga maybe not quite being um, at the level it has been in, in previous decades recently. I think it's for, for as much as we like to to hear and be told that the Premier League is the best league in the world. I think that statement's probably only been true for the last three or four seasons. Um, but Madrid look to be in a position where they are, you know, for, for a club that you wouldn't necessarily say for all their success are particularly well run when it comes to succession planning and the rest of it. They do look to be building something pretty special at the moment. And as you mentioned, maybe when Mbappe does make that uh, make that move in a couple of seasons' time, the, the starlets we're talking about will have um, flourished and developed into players who can uh, who can consider themselves part of the the world elite as well. I should say at this point before we go and look more at the actual game, make sure you do go back and listen to our deep dive on the whole Mbappe saga on this feed. It was brilliant. I I mean, I didn't really need to be there actually because there was so much talent talking about it on show. But Adam Crafton, Dermot Corrigan and Tom Williams joined Flo and myself to talk about the Mbappe saga. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to that. Right then, Real Madrid. Steve, they've been heavily reliant on second legs in recent Champions League games. <laughs> there's, there's no there's no second leg, obviously, this time round. How have their odds changed as the, as the tournament's gone on? It's been incredible. I think if you've backed Real Madrid on the outright or, e- or even to qualify, you probably cannot believe that you're still still in the same... I mean, this competition, it's been amazing, really. When they were 1-0 down to uh, to PSG with that injury time and Mbappe goal, they were out to 33-1 to to qualify. And, uh, you know, when he scored again, did the Mbappe in the second leg early on to, for that 2-0 advantage, Real Madrid were actually 14-1 to to qualify just to the next round itself. You know, they were a huge price to get there. Benzema at that stage was 100-1 to to be top goal scorer of the competition. Um, of course, he needed snookers to catch Lewandowski then. And, and of course, yeah, that has happened. Um, and then the, the, the Chelsea game, they were well in control of that with another Benzema hat-trick. They were 1-14 to 14 to qualify, so long odds on to get through. Yet Werner had put Chelsea three up and all of a sudden they were 8-1 they were to one to qualify in that game. And then, of course, Benzema got the winner in extra time. But the, the incredible one was, was Manchester City. Of course, 2-0 down in that. They ended up losing 4-3. They're only 7-2 to qualify after the first leg semi-final and 10-1 on the outright. But... We all remember, don't we, when Mares put them one up and we were heading towards injury time. We thought, well, Real Madrid's time's over. They were 100-1 to to qualify just to get through to the final. And of course, here we are now, just hours away from Paris, and they are actually in the final as well. They are slight outsiders to lift it for the God knows how many times. You know, the <laughs> I'm sense, sure they won't be bothered. 16th, 17th, no, exactly that. And it's, it's a final, I have to say, that I am really looking forward to as a neutral. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute belter, isn't it? And George, I mean, Carlo Ancelotti to you. Who? He's like the stepdad that you never really wanted. <laughs> Carlo what a Ancelotti. man. What a is, man. Is his luck going to run out on this occasion? Is he one step too far now playing against an elite side like Liverpool? I mean, if it comes down to luck, then I think eventually they're going to be found out you know if it comes down to he's got no talent whatsoever that Angelotto no talent whatsoever if this game um, goes similarly to the knockout games we've seen previously and Real Madrid don't have the better chances over the course of the the tie 
I think the likelihood is that they won't be able to do it again and, and come through and win the tie. But what I would say is that unlike the um, unlike the PSG game, unlike the Chelsea game and the City games, there are a few reasons, I think, to be a little bit concerned about the state of Liverpool coming into this. Now, part of that is is kind of amateur psychology and you never know how much this is going to matter. But we have to remember that 15 minutes with 50 minutes left to go on Sunday... Liverpool players, Liverpool fans thought that they were. I mean, they went odds on, didn't they, Steve? Like they, they thought they did. They thought yeah. that eight they to thirteen were, was the shortest there for the title. They thought yeah. that they were in a position to go ahead and and win win the Premier League, and that wasn't the case. So and did I. Think, I. <laughs> and I think, yeah, Stevie Stevie <laughs> yeah. G did, did talk about in throwing the, the towel in. Oh. Pathetic, um, answers, absolutely though. pathetic. And, and, and I think that there is an element here where that is going to be difficult, probably more difficult than had City just beaten Villa 2-0 and won it, won it cosily. You know, it's often what we see in the EFL playoffs as well, where a team like this season in League Two, Northampton did everything they could to get promoted and it was an only, only a goal somewhere else that meant that they didn't get promoted automatically when Bristol Rovers scored. And we saw them go out of the playoffs losing fairly comfortably because it's difficult to get yourself back up for this. Now, this is a Champions League final and you know the what's at stake here We've heard about Salah talking about the revenge for uh, for 2018. There is going to be no need at all to to rally these players, but there there might be just a slight hangover of we had something in our grasp, it was taken away from us. We're having to to get ourselves back up for this game a week later. There are there are also issues in terms of Thiago's injury. I, I think we're going to talk about that in a second, but that is a, a massive blow for them. You've also got probably the best player in the world in Mohamed Salah, who frankly isn't in the best form at the moment either form or fitness. You, you look at the last three games they've had. Uh, he's played played 18 minutes against Villa, uh, played th- half an hour in the in the FA Cup final before coming off and then half an hour um, against Wolves where he did score a goal. But there's there's no denying that, that Mo Salah doesn't come into this game. You, know, you, you think if this was a City-Real Madrid final, Kevin De Bruyne would be the player in the world at the time, the informed player, the class player coming into the biggest game on the biggest stage, bang in form. I don't think we can say that about Salah at all. And then even in that game against Wolves, the, the the ability that Wolves had to hurt Liverpool on the counter was massive. You know, you saw the, the goal after two minutes. Um, we, we saw Dendonka miss a very, very good chance at 1-0 as well. You know, the, if, if Pedro Neto, who's been injured for most of the season, can do that to Liverpool on the break, then when you're looking at it being Vinicius instead and Benzema and players who are far better suited to doing that and, and, are, and are better players, then you've got to have a concern as well. So... In terms of whether or not Ancelotti's luck is going to run out, I, I mean, we'll see on the day. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool were the better team and if they are, I think they'll win. But I think there are more concerns in my mind as to whether or not Liverpool on this day, given the circumstances, can make their superiority count than, than I would have thought there would be a, a couple of weeks ago. Yes, Dave, I think if Liverpool have their fully fit midfield, I think they comfortably win this game. It might be an outlandish thing to say, but I, I do think that they're just that good that they would see off Real Madrid relatively comfortably. But Thiago is a massive doubt. Fabinho's had injury problems. I don't know whether he's going to play at mm. this point. You know, for as good a season as Naby Keita's had, for example, he's someone who I think is probably a certainty to start the final if Thiago's out. He isn't Thiago. No, and uh, they might be calling someone like Milner on as well, might they? Yeah. Um, for that, depending on the... it's. I mean, it's clearly it's such a big game, and you want your best players on the pitch. You cast your minds back seven or eight years when Diego Costa was there's an injury day for Atletico Madrid, wasn't there? I think against Real Madrid, and he and he got hooked after ten minutes. He, he kind of belied belief by being on the pitch, and then ten minutes 
I can't I can't take it anymore. Um, so interested to see what Klopp does. Thiago clearly his quality on the ball will be sorely missed. Fabinho, as you mentioned, Dan, we don't know about that. I think Klopp not being so specific about the nature of the injury would also concern me. The fact that he he's hasn't hasn't mentioned what it really is. I don't think. Um, but Thiago, I think the the game that he plays needs needs to be. 100% fit to be such a dominant force in the middle of the park the way there's mm. quality on the ball oh, as well like he was Real never Madrid- fully fit at times last season and that's why we didn't see the best yeah. of him and Real Madrid will target him surely if you're if, if, if one of the best players isn't isn't 100% fully fit I'm not talking Ramos style here but I'm talking you know you can you could of course you know try and hand him down and and, and uh, yeah he's going to be key for them as well and then that's where I suppose Trent the, the ball could be passed to him to be you know the key man which is going to be such an interesting Matchup, you would say, with Vinicius as well. What will happen with that? That's going to be a, a brilliant battle. But personally, I, I don't think the game will be won in the middle of the park. I think the game will be won down Liverpool's left-hand side. I think, I think Liverpool will target uh, Carvajal at at right back, and I think the likes of uh, Luis Diaz and even Andy Robertson could have a big, big say in this Rob, final. Robinson so that's really where, good form at the moment. Yeah, that's where I'll be looking. Listen, Madrid, the early part of the game at the Bernabeu against Chelsea, Madrid couldn't deal with Chelsea players uh, running at them. They were passing them for fun and they just ran out of gas at the end and, and you know, that amazing comeback. But that I, th- I think Luis Diaz is going to have a huge, huge mm. game and I expect him to start in this one. I was going to say, we, George, are we taking that front three as verbatim? Salah, Mane and Diaz. I think it's likely, isn't it? I mean, so long as there aren't any injury issues at play here. I mean, Salah's clearly the one who who could feasibly be um, not in the best physical shape. But I think on a, on a game of this scale, and especially because of you know him him being the one who's come out saying how much they need to win this. I mean, I guess in a final, especially where it can extend into uh, extra time and penalties, there could be an argument to say that he would be better used bringing him on if it's tight with half an hour to go and then having that that extra moment rather than having to take him off when they're chasing a game. But I think for Jurgen Klopp and for Liverpool, if they were to not start Mo Salah and, and things were to go awry, um, it would be very, very difficult to, to defend yourself afterwards. So yeah, I, I think Diaz does look the, the likely player to start on that left-hand side. Yeah, Nick Miller, one of the best, has been writing a really interesting piece around Mo Salah, who's confirmed that he will be staying at Liverpool next season. He's after revenge for the 2018 final as well. We asked the Athletics Liverpool correspondent James Pearce if the narrative is really at the forefront of the players' mind going into Saturday's game. Do you think it's a revenge mission against Madrid? Do you see it like that? Yeah. Yeah, I see it because we lost in the final. It was a sad day for all of us, uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's revenge time. Revenge is certainly on Mohamed Salah's mind, but uh, Jurgen Klopp and Captain Jordan Henderson have both insisted that that isn't their motivation. <laughs> yeah, we've had, we've had a few laughs about that, to be fair. Um, he, he didn't mean to say that, did you, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Going into the final, I think for them and for a lot of the team, I think there's motivation enough and the, the fact that they're competing for the, the biggest prize in European football. And, and I think deep down they know as well that you know this final against Real Madrid it, it will pretty much determine whether this season goes down in the history books as a great one or an iconic one because there is a, a vast difference between pulling off a domestic cup double and making it a treble with what would be Liverpool's seventh European Cup. So um, I think you know, certainly for Salah it's different because you know he was in, in the form of his life at that time and going into that final in Kiev in 2018. 
and he was cruelly taken out of it by you know the thuggery really of Sergio Ramos. So I think for him it probably is a slightly different dynamic going into this, despite the fact that of course there is no reunion with Ramos, who now plies his trade in in Paris. But um, so I think probably an extra edge for Salah. You know he. He, back in 2019, when Liverpool won the Champions League final against Tottenham, he got himself fired up for that game by looking at pictures of him with his shoulder in a sling after he'd been forced off in Kiev. And um, I think it's a case of whatever helps certain players you know, reach that optimum level of a feeling like they're ready to go out and deliver at their absolute best. But certainly when you look at elsewhere in that Liverpool team for the likes of Canate and Thiago and, and Fabinho and Luis Diaz, you know, of course, revenge will be far from their minds because they weren't even part of that Liverpool team back then. If it triggers Salah into producing his most you know, iconic performance of the season, then, uh, then those thoughts of revenge can only be a positive for Liverpool. George, I can almost feel the Liverpool fans ready to attack me for this question. <laughs> but if if Liverpool do lose this Champions League final, obviously they've fell so unluckily short in the Premier League as well. They've won two cup finals on penalties. Does it change how we view Liverpool's season? I mean, it, it changes how we view the season for sure. But, but it doesn't change the fact that I think Liverpool's campaign, no matter what happens on Saturday, is one of the most impressive campaigns seen by a Premier League side of all time. Um, they... W- whether they win, if they win on on um, on Saturday, then they'd have been 15 minutes away from winning the quadruple. If they lose on Saturday, then they'd have been in Champions League final and uh, 15 minutes away from winning the quadruple. Both of those achievements are pretty incredible. Then you have to factor in that Liverpool are currently playing in, in a Premier League where Manchester City, if, if you took Liverpool out of the Premier League, Manchester City's dominance in the, in the division would make it look like the Bundesliga, frankly. Um, like we saw last season how Liverpool with all of their issues with injuries dropped off and you know even though Chelsea rallied in the second half of the season and won the Champions League in part because there was little to play for in the Premier League the gap was huge I, I think for you know City are so good that for Liverpool to get as close to them as they do is is an incredible achievement that the money they've spent compared to City is is an absolute fraction of it that's not to say they don't spend money and they do you know they 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 spend big fees on certain players but in terms of the the general grind and the general amount of of transfer fees that are racked up it's it's completely different project a, a different it's certainly more measured than Man City isn't absolutely, it absolutely of course and you know for City fans might listen to that and say hold on they've signed Van Dijk and they've signed Diaz yeah of course it's it, it's physically impossible to be operating at the top end of the Premier League unless you are going to spend money but it's it's the volume that I'm talking about here yes they only won the cup finals on penalties but that doesn't detract apart away from the fact that they won them and I think one of the biggest fallacies I'd love to do a podcast purely on football idioms or football I mean, it's already done the football cliches podcast, but but in terms there's of one knocking around on the athletic, <laughs> but in terms of just specific lines that are incorrect, right? So you've got the classic: the table doesn't lie. The table absolutely does lie. That's just the biggest load of nonsense. You know, 38 games in the Premier League, 46 games in the EFL, isn't enough for all luck and circumstance to be ironed out. Another one is that penalties are a lottery. They absolutely aren't. They absolutely are not. Like penalties in a penalty shootout is a skill in itself about A, you've got the the bottle and the nerve of certain players and the technical ability to score the penalty. And then you've got a a huge part to play in terms of the goalkeeper as well. Anyone who watched the playoff semi-final between 
um, Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United would have seen a goalkeeper in Bree Samba who put in a performance that was completely above and beyond what you'd expect from a goalkeeper and that got them a Wembley final. So, yes, it's not a 90-minute game of football, but Liverpool winning those penalty shootouts in itself is a skill, especially with that Carabao Cup one where it went to however many 25 penalties or whatever it was. So let's not detract anything away from that from, from then for that. Uh, it's an amazing achievement off the back of what was such a disappointing season. Often when sides have a disappointing season in the Premier League, they're rewarded with less interna- less European football. But that wasn't the case with Liverpool, who are still in the Champions League. And um, I, I think it's, it's an amazing achievement. And, you know, City fans will be saying, well, where's our, um, where's our praise? But the fact that City are so good is what makes Liverpool's Premier League finish something to be to be praised as well. Also, you know, Liverpool have been in three Champions League finals now, including this one in, in, in recent times. You know, when you look at where they were when the, the ownership changed, it, it's been incredible, really. And James Pearce has sat down for an exclusive chat with Liverpool's chairman, Tom Werner, ahead of the game. Three Champions League finals in five years, Steve. If I was a Manchester United fan, I'd be looking at that now and thinking things can change. Things do change. They do come in cycles, like I've heard Gary Neville say before. Liverpool, five years ago, couldn't have dreamed of some of the stuff that they've been through in the last five years. I don't think that I made the Champions League, Danny, if Alisson hadn't scored that header at, uh, at the Hawthorns last oh, season, well, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. did that? Yeah, what a goal that was. An incredible journey. The I was reading the Athletic piece today. It was 12 years ago. They were beaten by Everton when they when they took over under, under Roy Hodgson at Goodison Park. Yeah, like you say, down the third final in five years or, or whatever it is, to get Klopp in the building, to keep Klopp in the building. We thought he was going. The relationship between everybody at Liverpool seems absolutely fantastic. Admittedly, that helps when you're winning football games week in, week out and winning trophies also. I'm not sure they'll be dipping back into the old Super League chat anymore either. Um, there is going to be a departure, but uh, Michael Edwards is leaving. Isn't he the sporting director who's yeah, done some incredible be, could deals? Be a big changing, yeah, big big deals in and 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 out of Anfield and and Julian Ward. He's 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 taken over, of course, and he was uh, he's the one who's responsible for Diaz by all accounts, getting him in. So he's got the futures of Mane and Salah to deal with, but it's looking very very rosy in the Liverpool garden, and it has done for quite a while. Yeah, as like a supporter of a non. Well, not say non big club, but a team that doesn't challenge <laughs> oh, for Dan. a team that doesn't challenge for titles. It's it the same. You've same been working with you me too long, Dan. You've been working no, with me too I'm, long, Phil. I would say I'm, I'm almost not envious of City for some reason. I can't quite put my finger on what that is, but I am envious of Liverpool because I do think they've done it in a different way, and I, and I like what that, what they stand for, and I, like, I just like the way they've done things. Would you two go along with that? I think I'm, as an Oxford United fan, I'm pretty envious of both. Um, and it wasn't that long ago, obviously, Manchester City... You'd be happy if Steve Frey took over Oxford. Absolutely not. I'd be happy if Bet365 sponsored us. Um, it, <laughs> if you, um, you know, Manchester City clearly have a, a much richer history than, than Oxford at the top level. But it wasn't that long ago that they were a top half, third tier team, which is exactly what my club are now. So the the, the idea of, of in 20, 30 years time... Um, it doesn't matter how it comes about, you know, so long as all I would want is there not to be the ethical questions about the ownership um, that other Premier League clubs are having to undergo at the moment. Um, City not excluded from that, but that would be um, the dream. And I think we can often get so caught up in the romance of Liverpool and the fact that they were the best team in the country all those decades ago with that very romantic team who we still know a lot about and the rest of it, whilst they've also gone about their business, as I mentioned earlier, in a way that isn't quite as... 
as um, you know stark in terms of the money spent as Manchester City. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know if, if you guys saw the the um, the TikTok video that went viral over the last week, where where a guy took his his granddad to the game. Um, who, yes, who's, I did who's, say got, that. who's got dementia, and you know anyone watching that. Uh, no matter what you think about City and their plastic fans and, and they're being unable to sell out the Etihad. You know, that is a man who's quite clearly gone to watch Man- Manchester City through thick and thin over the last, yeah. near enough, the last century. And the romance of him being there with his grandson watching Manchester City win another Premier League title, um, no matter how it comes about, it's it's pretty special. I, I don't think, you know, for, for all the photos that you see of the, of the fairly... Um, well, it wasn't particularly impressive turnout, maybe for the for the victory parade the next day and the rest of it. Size, I mean, this sounds like another podcast, but size doesn't matter in that respect. It's a case of of, of what they've done and what they've achieved. And for a lot of those fans who are, who are out Main Road watching them in the third tier, not that long ago, um, it's going to feel pretty special. Yeah, hopefully I've redeemed myself to the Liverpool fans with the way I put that, but now I've probably got the Manchester City <laughs> fans and Aston Villa fans on my back. Um, whatever happens in Paris on Saturday, Steve, where do Liverpool need to strengthen to make up the tiny, tiny, minuscule gap to Manchester City in terms of, of winning the Premier League and going go the whole way? Is it just a, maybe a, a number eight short? Uh Possibly. They did well with a couple of stellar signings, I suppose, Canate and Diaz coming in. Just going through the team, I've just off the top of my head, from a goalkeeper, they seem to be well stopped there. Maybe Maybe Keller has a very good goalkeeper underneath, Alisson. Yeah, left back, they're okay. Uh, Simakas for for Robertson, I presume, um, as as backup. Right side, Trent, anything, any cover for Trent off off the top of your head there? I think Gomez does very well when he plays Mm. there, assuming he stays. Milner can play there as well. The midfield, maybe he's aging slightly. Milner, Henderson, Thiago, Oxlade-Chamberlain, maybe surplus to requirements as well. Maybe someone like a, a, a Bellingham or, or whatever would be a oh, fantastic... Oh, they'd love Bellingham. They'd yeah. love Bellingham. Ab- absolutely love that. Um, and, and up top, you know, Carvalho's joining. Uh, Origi's gone. Minamino might make the same movement out the building as well. So maybe a forward, maybe a midfielder for me. I think it, with, with Liverpool, it's always going to be um, one or two, isn't it, rather than wholesale changes. And, and I think with Gomez... Liverpool seem to be a club and certainly Jurgen Klopp is a, is a manager who's pretty loyal and Gomez is um, the fact that he hasn't progressed to being one of the, the players who we assume will be in these sides as fitness rather than, than any uh, kind of ability so I'm pretty sure they'll want to persist with him for at least another season give him the opportunities to do so so yeah I agree I, th- I think a midfielder um, I also think that as much as, as everybody, uh, myself included, loves Jordan Henderson and would love to have a Jordan Henderson at their club, um, you know, in terms of age. And he's, you know, his, at the moment, his minutes are pretty much restricted to when um, one of Thiago or Fabinho uh, are, are out um, in, in the last few weeks as well. Um, I think a, a young, I mean, a, a Bellingham would be absolutely ideal, basically someone like that, a, a proper uh, ball-playing um young midfielder who they can ease into the side rather than being someone who's going to going to come in and, and start immediately as well and and, and you know with, with Nab- that was meant to be Naby Keita and for as as improved a season as he's maybe had this campaign I think it's hard to get away from the fact that he hasn't been a little bit of a disappointment given the amount of money that they paid for him as well I would say on Joe Gomez if he can stay fit you might see a little bit of a renaissance next season a bit like Joel yeah, yeah, Matip I, I don't think anyone expected Matip to come in and do what he's done this season if Gomez can stay fit it might be that you have a surprise season from Gomez in, in a roundabout Matip way, so we'll see what happens with that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, James Pearce again, and ahead of Saturday's final, I sat down with former Liverpool and England striker Michael Owen to take a closer look at two number nines likely to have a big say in where the trophy ends up in Paris, Karim Benzema and Sadio Mane. Michael Owen will be part of BT Sports' exclusive coverage of the final, live from the Stade de France from 6pm on Saturday. I started by asking him about Mane's sensational form in the second half of the season since Jurgen Klopp moved him from out wide into a central role. Yeah, I mean, Sadio's just been a terrific sign as a terrific player for Liverpool. You know, I just love the way he's, he just looks very uncomplicated. You know, he looks just, just sent him out to play virtually every game. He's a warrior. He rarely gets injured. He's very consistent. You know, he's everything that the Liverpool stand for, really. He scores goals, he creates goals, he presses, you know, he's got energy and he just, you know, there's no airs and graces. He just, you know, he just does his work and, and whatever role you ask him to to, uh, to perform as well, James, he's just, uh, he, he's just no nonsense and, and I, I like players like that. Obviously, you you know better than anyone, though, confidence is such a valuable commodity, isn't it, as a, as a striker. Do you, do you think what happened with AFCON has kind of massively helped him as well with being the hero and the lift that gave him yeah I, I think so I don't think you can get enough uh, of success you know to, to continue to, to raise your self-belief your confidence your standing in the game um, I don't think we can probably comprehend what an absolute legend he is not only in Senegal but in Africa uh, and of course winning um, the AFCON tournament then that's only going to elevate him even more and he's a great guy he puts a lot back in um, obviously to, to the game and to the fans and to his hometown and country and whatever so I think he's a real role model for a lot of people and of course you know when you as I say when you start winning lots of trophies and you're the key player in a lot of those games then it doesn't half raise you you know improves your mentality let's say you go onto, onto the pitch and, and nothing phases you whatsoever yeah I mean not, not many wide attackers could play that central role as well as he has been doing what what would you say are his biggest strengths as as a number nine I think the way Liverpool play now is is, is so interesting I mean there's, there are no rules really are there it's you know when you've got three players interchange and you can drop off you can play high you can do all these different things and it very much it's always been a position of when, when you're a defender and the ball's over there you, you've got to be here and your partner's got to be there and you can you can self-teach a lot of defenders because there are rules and regulations. Whereas a centre forward, you use use it to your own strengths. You know, you use your body, you use your height, your your speed, or whatever it might be. So there are no rules. And I think we know when Firmino plays in that role, we know he likes dropping off into 
into the uh, into the spaces and to allow runners coming from outside. We know that's a strength of his. We know other players have got speed and they like running in behind. I think Sadio's got a bit of everything. Yeah. I must admit, I think he can drop off, he can link play, uh, he can run in behind, he's got loads of speed, he's, he's strong, he closes down great. Yeah, how, how do you see Real Madrid being able to handle him? You know, what would it be? Probably Militao and Nacho, you'd imagine, kind of between them tasked with with trying to kind of deal with that threat? Yeah, again, it's, it will be fascinating to, to see um, how Madrid try to uh, to combat Liverpool as a whole. Um, you would think that they wouldn't want to give too much space in behind and you would have, you would think they'll try to draw Liverpool on because they'll want space in behind Liverpool to, uh, to try to... Like any team that plays against Liverpool at the minute, let's not kid ourselves... You know, Liverpool do play a risk and reward style and they and every team that plays will be saying, let's try to hurt them in behind. When Trent goes forward, let's expose that area. They've got someone like Vinicius that, that, that can put... But saying it and doing it is a different matter. So I do think that uh, Madrid will try to play deep, try to quash those spaces in behind. Uh, and it might be a possession advantage to Liverpool in this game. Tactically, it'd be fascinating. Um, but Liverpool have faced block defences but they virtually face them every time they go out and play so you know I'm sure they'll find a way and, and, and just from the other perspective with, with Madrid I mean Benzema almost defying the, the kind of father time with what he's been doing this season like at the age of 34 how, how impressed have you been by him? Well hugely impressed I mean how can you how can you seem to get better you know at that age it's quite phenomenal really most most of us regress at that I was retired at 34 I, I retired at 33 so um, so how he's got better is, is quite phenomenal I think looking at it with Ronaldo leaving and being more of a focal point has obviously helped it's obviously you know not only given people like ourselves more time to, to see him in his best position but then when he scored more goals, it gives you more confidence. When you feel like you're the best player in the team, you know, your self-belief, your confidence grow as well. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, he's not got an attribute that I think Liverpool will be thinking, oh, wow, we've got to sit deep or we've got to play high or we've got to keep him out of the box because he's six foot five. And he's just brilliant at everything. His link play, everything about him is, is very, very good. But I don't think Liverpool will be making special you know, reason to let's say to to, uh, to nullify his threat. Although they'll be acutely aware that he is their biggest threat. Um, in saying that, Liverpool have you know have got three centre halves and two centre halves. Whoever plays are, are two of the world's best themselves. So fascinating battle in that area. In in terms of the two centre forwards, how would you say Benzema and Mane are different? I think. Benzema's probably oozes more class. I think he's, he's got a better touch. I think he holds the ball up better, brings people into play. Probably a better finisher. But I think for the way Liverpool play, I think Sadio Mane, you know, again, fits them like a glove in, in many ways. Um, you know, out of possession. He makes things happen. Just with his movement, he makes, makes things happen for other people as well. Whereas I'd say, of course... Benzema's movement in the box is brilliant to find a yard, but outside the box, you know, Mane will make some cracking runs for, for other people to to either find him or to, to you know give space for other people as well. So I think he's more of an all-action player and a very suited player to the Liverpool style of play. Um, whereas Benzema probably oozes a bit more class. Yeah, yeah. And how do you go about trying to stop someone like Benzema? Is it is it about 
concentration because I mean he seems to you know he seems to be have this amazing anticipation of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, as I say, I don't I don't watch Benzema and think, wow, you know, you've got this one attribute that is undefendable. I think if Liverpool are absolutely on it, concentrating, focused on, you know, throughout the game, I think he is a player that, you know, that you can keep quiet. Put it this way, I think, you know, if Mbappe was playing against Liverpool, they'd be having more sleepless nights. Let's look at the odds, Steve. You said already mm. Liverpool are the, are the favourites by a bit. Man of the match. Well, let's all pick a player out for who we think might get man of the match in this yeah. one. Love the man of the match market. Yeah, Liverpool are favourites to lift the trophy down 4-7 to seven and Real Madrid at 11-8. to eight. But it's the man of the match market. Can you remember any of the previous winners? You probably won't, Dave. Uh, I can't remember who played in the no. final. That's it, isn't it? Current Conte. <laughs> Angolo Conte won it last year. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Ronaldo's won it in the past. Gareth Bale. So, it's obviously... Conte isn't a flair player, but it's generally the the flair players that um, that have won over the years. So uh, I'm gonna go Diaz. Yeah, I, like I said earlier, he's he's seven to one. He's third favourite behind Mo Salah, clearly, and Benzema five to one and eleven to two, with Diaz at seven. Georgie boy, why is Mane eleven to one? Well, get stuck in then. Right, well, I didn't. Well, no, I mean, I, I was asking if there's a reason. I, I don't see why. I mean, he's probably the most informed in terms of goals yeah. of the three. He's probably going to be playing through the middle, which again makes him probably arguably the biggest yeah. goal threat. Um, he's in, you know, he's he's playing for the team who are even money to win in ninety minutes. Um, I'll take I, the elevens then. I, 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 I mean, Steve, I'd love George, to. George wants those up down. I, I, he's, he's not happy with that. George, he doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, eleven to one. It's, it's a bit. He's, he, again, seems seems a fair price. And again, George has, has put a a, a decent uh, a, you know claim to that as to why it's a fair <laughs> price. But he's now 11 to 2, George. You know that. I just think when you look, <laughs> at, it, you look at the four the, the four players, you've got Salah 5 to 1, Diaz 7 to 1, Jota 9 to 1, who probably won't start, and Manny 11 to 1. Um, yeah, yeah Manny over like Jota is a surprise. I think I think the four of those, you could probably you know put a blanket over them in terms of what their price should be. I'm going to go mm. a big shout out, a big price. Here we go, Defender. Correct. Uh, yeah. Yes. Defender. Yeah. And Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson. Nice. It's, yeah, it's not flash enough for an official man of the match award for me. I'm not disputing that he could arguably be man of the match in terms of the way he plays the game, but he doesn't feel like a left back would win that award for me. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. Right. 
Right then, we'll look forward to the next Premier League season in a moment. But first, we've got a little bit of business to take care of. The famous oh. charity bet that we made around Christmas Infamous. time. Yeah. Very, very forgettable <laughs> from my side. Steve, do you want to talk us through it? Yeah, well, we had a £100, didn't we, charity bet that we were able to um, place on, on our three selections. You picked Southampton to be relegated, Dan. They were in bad form at the time, oh, I, seem, in all kinds I, of I, I seem to remember. And all Passes of a sudden, they pinned it on the wall. They, yeah, they pinned it on the wall, and they and they they sprouted wings. They could not stop winning football matches. All right, and then they, they stayed safe and couldn't be asked again. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah, I think George is a little bit. It will be frustrated, as just like our producer, the fact that Arsenal <laughs> threw it away for for that all important spot. And I and and I because George backed Arsenal top four. And I went Harry Kane to to finish each way to finish t- top goal scorer. Clearly, with with Salah miles ahead, I was looking for a bit of each way value. Mm. Clearly, I should have gone with Son as the each way value, not Kane. I know Kane managed to get a few goals at the end of the season. So, all our three charity bets were losers. But I am pleased to say that we will be donating five hundred pound to to the nice. to the Prostate uh, UK charity, which I will sort after this show as well. So, which is uh, yeah, Super. so not all is lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to be honest, Dave, I when you made your shout, I was thinking, don't be so ridiculous. You actually I like, you a saying, lot closer yeah. than I thought you would be. <laughs> Imagine if you said son. What would you have said then? I don't know if I would have t- like, taken umbrage with that one as, as much, but Kane at the time was bang out of form. He didn't he was, he, like I he think he had about five goals, didn't he, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was a wild. I thought that was a wild shout. So it was very, very, very good from you. I think. I think. You were, and George, obviously unlucky as well. Me, absolutely miles off it as always, as I always am. With betting, but yeah, great to see that we'll still be donating the money. That that's really good at Bet Three Six Five. So thank you very much to them. Let's have a little look back now at the Premier League final day and cast our eyes over next season as well. Well, it's a bit difficult to do because we don't know what the transfer business is so far, but we're going to have a go. City crown champions, George. Pep, very, very emotional at full time. Yeah, it was surprising to see, I guess. Not because it's not a massive achievement, but just he isn't someone who you necessarily associate with um, that kind of outpouring of emotion. It was it was tears at, at final whistle. It uh, looked like he was doing his best Jose Mourinho impression after winning the Europa Conference League. Um, no, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing achievement for them and, and to do it in that style was was very, very impressive. Um, I think, don't think anyone can deny that they are the deserving winners uh, despite Villa making it very difficult for them. Um, I thought the the celebrations, the fist pumps of Steven Gerrard um, were, were pretty, you know, they weren't over exuberant, but he, I think you could tell that he was he was pretty happy to be in the position that he was in. Um and some great goals. I thought Rodri's finish for the second goal was uh, for the two goal was was absolutely sublime. To keep your, finish. To keep your composure, knowing how important a chance that was going to be, and just to roll it into the corner like that. He's such a quality player. Um, so yeah, completely fair play to City. Um, another brilliant title race, and great to have it going down to the wire. And uh, Jack Grealish, Premier League winner, eh? Uh, he got his wish after all. He did. Didn't make an appearance on the pitch though in that in that last game. No. Or Jack, but I would back him to come very strong next season. I don't think he'll have another season like the one he's had. I think I think he's been unfortunate in a, in a lot of ways, and I know how much he hates being a sub. But he'll come back far in next season. Jack for Manchester City. So keep your eyes on that. They've of course already signed Holland, Steve. Mm-hmm. Top goal scorer odds for him next season. Is he the favourite? Yeah, he will be around the three to one mark. Of course, we still have that market available for his total goals for next season as well, which we have discussed in a previous part. He's 14 to 1 to score 35 or more, which of course would be a record for Premier League wise. And Manchester City are favourites, as you'd expect, 
to to win it for the fifth time in six seasons at, at four to seven. I have to say that Man City game was so expensive for us because, of course, we pay out on when teams go two two goals clear. So we paid out on Villa and then we paid out on Manchester City. A lot we touched on earlier. Liverpool were actually odds-on favourites to win the Premier League to get that third third trophy from three. But, of course, it didn't happen. And their second favourites down in what is a two-horse race yet again. Yeah, I nearly backed City to win 3-2 when Villa went 2-0 up. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to bet against Villa. Now I wish I had. <laughs> Never bet against your against your own team. We've of course covered Liverpool already on the podcast, but let's do the big one, Steve. What would they be for the quadruple next season? Well, there won't be a four figure prize like there were last season. No, that we we are we are. I, I did release the prices the other day, and they're only two to one to win the Premier League, but they are we're four hundred to one now for uh, for the quadruple. So. Not taking many chances of that, of course. It's never been done before. They were fit, The shortest they got last season, I think the biggest we were, were 1,500 to 1. But the shortest they got was 5 to 1, I think, to win the unprecedented quad. So I suppose that we'll still lay it, but we aren't taking as many chances as previously. Lessons After learned. what we've seen, clearly. Lessons learned. Yes, it? very much. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, they're, what, 2 to 1 to win the, the Premier League next season. And it's a third the price uh, for two places. So you're getting... What you're getting um, one point six six about them finishing in the top two. Now that is a pretty gritty way of betting, and your bet three six five account won't last too long if you start back, back betting those things. But it is, you know, if you're looking to have a, a pre-season each way multi in a few leagues, they're probably worse ways to go about it because it does feel like those two teams are just are just miles clear of everybody else at the moment. Yeah, but someone who will be looking to bridge the gap is Spurs. Secured fourth spot, George. The Athletic are reporting that majority shareholders Enic have injected £150 million into the club. I mean, they'll be doing everything they can to entice Conte to stay and strengthen that squad. Are they learning from the mistakes they made of not backing Pochettino when they're onto something good? Because they can't afford to lose Conte now, and I would probably say they're way ahead of where they thought they would be. Yeah, I guess it's learning the lessons, but it's also understanding that you have a manager who's going to need this. You know, With Pochettino, he, he was... Not necessarily a soft soft touch in the transfer market, but it never felt like he was holding the club to ransom to stay. And that's probably why things kind of unraveled as they did uh, pretty quickly. With Conte, he's shown Spurs what he can do. He's shown the players what he can do. And crucially, there's a fan base now who'll be absolutely apoplectic if Antonio Conte isn't their manager next season, given the position they were in when he took over, given that Nuno was appointed manager at the beginning of the season after a pretty long managerial search. That feels like it was about it, 10 years ago, Nuno. I know. Manager. <laughs> if he won manager of the month. If, um, yeah, I mean, they have to basically, not just in terms of, of a footballing disaster, but it would be a PR disaster if they weren't to be able to secure Antonio Conte for next season. Conte's in an incredibly um, strong position where not only does everyone at the club want him, but he's probably now, his, his stock has, has risen even further in such a short period of time in, in world football. And he is probably seen, in, in my view, as being the third best manager in the world behind uh, Klopp and and, uh, and Guardiola at the moment. So, yeah, he's um, Spurs have to go out and do this. And... and it's quite rare these days. It reminded me a bit of a bit of kind of Championship Manager 0102 when you see a, a press release announcing funds injected into the club. Oh, I mean, you, love just, it. you love to hear it when you play Championship Manager. But it's just just pure PR, isn't it? It's just it's, it's that is literally them saying out loud. You know, we are going to spend money. This money is being injected into the club. We are doing our best to keep this manager. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti gets to the Champions League final, wins the league for Real Madrid, and he's still not in George's top three managers in the world. 
Absolutely no outrageous. No. It's not as good as Chris Wilder, let's be <laughs> yeah, honest. It's not as good as Chris Wilder, we all know that. Now, Arsenal have been linked to Gabriel Jesus and Yuri Tillemans, despite missing out on the Champions League. And the improvement has been obvious to the supporters, as Amy Lawrence said on our Arsenal podcast, Handbrake Off this week. Steve, what's a realistic aim for them next season? Because I think they can, they can see that progress has been made. But just the frustration of blowing forth when they're in such a good position is probably a difficult position for Arsenal fans to be in at the moment in terms of which way to look at it. Yeah, particularly after getting chinned by by Spurs and will they be able to attract this type of player now they're not in Champions League football. As regards to the odds, they're, they're in sixth place in the in the betting. So they were, we're not totally writing them off, Dan. Two to one, that's all they are to finish in the top four. Then there's a big gap then between them and Newcastle, who are seventh best than West Ham. Why are they, so, why are they, why are they behind, behind Manchester United? Because uh, the current time, what is that based on? Because Manchester United at the moment, all over the place. I know they'll do serious business and they'll be a massive rebuild, but at the moment, I would say Arsenal are in a better place than Manchester United at the current yeah, time. Yeah, ratings wise, we don't, you know, we don't think that. But we have eased out United. You know, they are eleven to ten Manchester United to finish in in the top four, as I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll come on a little bit, and Tottenham have actually overtaken them. But there's not a huge jump. You know, Man United could easily go out and buy a few players and we'll see a hell of a lot of money for them. And ratings-wise, we just think that Arsenal are behind them, but not by a massive amount of, of, of money. And there are so many question marks elsewhere. Chelsea, we don't know what's going to happen with them. Spurs, you know, Conte could leave. Manchester United, who knows how good Ten Hag's going to be. New, I suppose on the, on the flip side, Newcastle could be an absolute beast next season as well. Yeah. So... We're pitching in at Arsenal at two to one. I'm not expecting to be absolutely knocked over with money for Arsenal at two to one, to be honest with you. But that's where we rate and Ian, that those odds could change if the likes of Jesus and Tillemans arrive at uh, at the Emirates. So you know, yeah, let's wait and see. Out of interest, Steve, if it was announced this afternoon that Antonio Conte was staying for next season, would that even money change? Mm, not a great deal, I don't think. There would be a change if he left. I think go the other way. Yeah. But I, I, I think, I, I think we think that that Conte will be there. I know he can be quite volatile, but at the moment, that's where Spurs are at. The, the money in his in his very early stages since Sunday has has all been for Tottenham, particularly on the back of that 150 million as well. George, what were your thoughts on Ten Hag's first press conference at Manchester United? Now he's officially started work. He's, I think it's a bit of a baptism of fire, isn't it? Um, a bit, bit of an early grilling. But I, I think he's pretty impressive, the way that he talks. I think he's done well to um, talk about the club in, in respectful terms. I think there are two ways you can go about this when you take over a bit of a fallen giant. You can either try and tear up the past um, and, and say this is a new project, or you can kind of nod to it and then say, look, let's go forward and, and improve straight away. Um, I think it's gone down very well that he in, immediately set his sights out to challenge... Liverpool and Man City. I thought it was interesting that he also spoke about the cyclical nature of, of football, basically uh, intimating that he reckons City and Liverpool's um, current high status might be a thing of the past fairly soon, which is going to be music to any Manchester United fans' ears. So I think it was pretty well calculated. Um, you know, he isn't someone whose reputation as uh, being a media manager has been particularly good at Ajax, but um, yeah, I thought he handled himself pretty well and he seems to be attuned to what the United fans want uh, to see from, from his side going forward. Chelsea, Steve, it felt like lived in third position in this Premier League season. It looks like their takeover's <laughs> got the green light to go through. What do the guys need to build on there and what do they need to change at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, the new owners, they I think they take over a team that needs a bit of a rebuild. 
Especially Let's in be defense, although they've already started oh, that by the looks of things. Rudiger, Christensen will go when he has to be I suppose. Well, wouldn't surprise me if, if Alonso also left to Link Barcelona. Barca. So, yeah, so they need strengthening all over the pitch. And because of such a big overhaul is needed, I thought there might have been a bit more scrutiny on Thomas Tuchel. Clearly, the, the people behind the scenes, people like Petr Cech, have, have probably have a big, big place to it. And and um, I, I, I don't want to say a surname and embarrass myself, but Marina also has been there for a long time and she's done an extremely, extremely good job as well behind the scenes for Chelsea. So she she will definitely be key in taking Chelsea forward. But as regards to the odds, as, as I've said, we still think it's a two-horse race with Chelsea, like 16-1 to one to, pr- to win the Premier League. You know, who would have thought that a year ago? I changed the order specifically so I didn't have to ask Steve about Aston Villa, George, but Villa have already Villa, begun strengthening Villa. their squad. <laughs> Bubakar Kamara. in the sky. Good signing for Villa, that is. Bubakar Kamara just made his way into the France squad. 22, looks like he's got all the attributes to be a top defensive midfielder. Probably a signing that's above Villa station at the moment, but the Steven Gerrard factor seems to have wowed him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably a question more for you, but I mean, it does look to me like it's someone looking in from the outside. Um, this seems to be. I've got an a, opinion, George. I've got an opinion. A, a pretty consistent, a pretty consistent um, story with Villa over the last eighteen months, where you seem to seem to sign players who it's announced out of nowhere, and most neutrals probably wouldn't think you had a chance of signing them before. Oh, it's we announced are the as best well, at winning is... the transfer window, but not the best at winning football matches, unfortunately. Yeah, the, the, the latest Everton. Um, but no, I mean, it will come. And certainly your recruitment looks very smart. Um, you know, think back to January with you signing Coutinho. Um, I know it didn't work, but the Leon Bailey signing was another one where, where you kind of take people off guard and, and suddenly um, you're, you're signing players that people anticipated would be going to European football at the very least, but, but maybe even Champions League football. So, I mean, for you, do, do you feel like the club is... Um, well set for next season I mean a lot of people myself included and you look back at pre-season predictions had Villa as being one of those who could crash the top six that did not happen but now with Steven Gerrard there are you confident you'll be able to do that? Uh, I'm not confident of top six next season but I think we'll end up being on the right path I think Gerrard has the right plans and the right ambition for Villa now to go up to the next level I think he desperately needed a pre-season with, with the players. I think that was a, that was a big miss not having a Gerrard pre-season. So I think that will make a lot of players who perhaps weren't as good this time round better next season. We're obviously able to attract a higher calibre of player with Gerrard, which is encouraging. And if you get better players, you should theoretically move up the league. I don't think it would have been that difficult to finish eighth or ninth this season. And if you look when Gerrard took over, Villa would have finished ninth if the season started when Gerrard came in at Villa Park. So I think there's plenty to build on. But I don't think we'll be crashing the top six anytime soon. What would the six odds to one. be? I was going to yeah, say six to one. Six, yeah, six, six to one. Dan, six, six to, to one to do oh, that. That's e- even even's top half is I'm what we're top half. Yeah, is what we're currently at. Is I mean, Gerard's lost more games than he's won at Villa. Clearly, um, as regards to fan pressure or even you know pressure from upstairs, as far as Gerard's concerned, if he gets off to a slow start, would he be in, under any pressure? would you say? I think Villa are now a year behind where they perhaps thought they were going to be. I think it was a turbulent season. You lose your manager and you lose your best player at the start of, it, of the season. It, there's going to be problems. I don't think he's under huge pressure because I think he's got such a good relationship with Christian Persler. Okay. If we were to have a disastrous start next season, Gerard would come under a, li- a little bit of pressure. But I think the ambition will be top half next season, I think, which I think was the ambition this time round. But I think Villa are now a year behind where they thought they would be. But these owners mean business. And of they, course they, they do. They yeah. want to move up the league as quick as possible and that hasn't happened yet. 
George Leeds survived on the final day. Looks like they're sticking with Jesse Marsh. And Phil Hay said he's not convinced on him on this feed this week. Could they be back in trouble next season? I think it's impossible to be convinced so far by, by Jesse Marsh. He kept um, him up. He filled the remit. Just. Oh, I mean, yeah, the things got, got worse before they got better. They were going um, down under Bielsa, in my opinion. They were on the. They were going down 100%. Think, I'm 100% but, certain they'd have gone down under Bielsa. But it's very easy to to forget that Bielsa wasn't able to profit from the return of Calvin Phillips and, and Cooper as well, um, which which are, were pretty important, I think, in terms of of, of the turnaround of form. Uh, but I don't I don't disagree. Um, you know, they 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 got over the line on final day with with a very good performance away at, at Brentford. They um, had some serious disciplinary issues, which didn't help either. Either you can't. In a in a survival um, clash, can't go into every game uh, with ten men for for sixty minutes of it, which is a, a, a kind of passage they went through. I, I'm pretty concerned for next season, to be honest. I I, I think we're probably going to see Rafinha leave. Um, I think Calvin Phillips has to ask himself the question this summer: if he's not going to leave now, then when is he? Because um, you know, if yeah, he, he wants has to, to go now, really, Calvin Phillips, doesn't yeah, it? It feels like he's done his remit by keeping them in the Premier League. It would have been very, very difficult for him to leave the club. He would have done, but it would have been very hard for him on a personal level to leave them after relegation back to the Championship, having fought so hard to get them there. Um, but I, I don't see anything at the moment. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens over the course of the summer. But I was certainly someone at the beginning of the season who thought Leeds under Bielsa, their next step, the next step in this journey was going to be becoming a, a, you know, a solid top 10 team, a team who wanted European football now. They look to me, unless there's a big change, that they're going to be relegation, uh, you know, a team who are fighting against relegation year on year. Yeah, they're joint, no, the co-second, uh, third favourites, George, uh, Leeds to go down at nine to four, the same price as Brentford. I'm guessing you'd rather be with Brentford over over Leeds United with with Bournemouth and Fulham as the two favs. But I, I was speaking to a Leeds fan this morning, his, his aspirations for next season, a season to get older, he was at Brentford at, at, uh, on Sunday as well. He was talking about course you know Phillips and Rafinha uh, are leaving and he seems to think there'll be some regardless of whether those two go there'll be some seriously serious money pumped into the club and that, and they will be busy. Staying with you Steve Burnley, Norwich and Watford are down odds and then bouncing straight back up I imagine Norwich would be probably the favourites of the throw just because that's what they do. Yes they do it all the time don't they uh, the, the, the odds are as follows Norwich are favourites at six to one to to win the league with with Watford at seven and they all being a third favourite, so I can't. I I I, 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 I do disagree with that at, at nine to one. Uh, Chris Wilder's bunch ten to one. Middlesbrough, Georgie, I think that might be okay. I think that's where the smart money yeah. might go. Yeah, and and the same price as Burnley. But Burnley at ten to one. Clearly, we, you know, there's been a lot of we've read a lot of reports, some good ones in the Athletic about Burnley and 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 what the future holds for them. Out of the three sides that have gone down, I can see Burnley, you know, being on the drift just a little bit, a little bit bigger from ten to one come the start of the season. Yeah, and it is of course the Championship playoff final on Sunday. George, who would you like to see get promoted? I'm very much not you a Nottingham Forest guy here. That. I can. You cannot ask me that. You That's can't my ask job. Me I want to be promoted. It's my job. That is my job is to cover all seventy two teams. Equally, or seventy-one with with Oxford, obviously getting special uh, treatment. But it's um, <laughs> I'll be I'll be there on on Sunday. I can't wait. Uh, I'm there on Saturday as well for the league top league two playoff final, not the Champions League final. Um, yeah, I mean Huddersfield, they were uh, one of the favourites for relegation at the, at the beginning of the season, um, and rightly so because they were poor last season in Carlos Corbran's first campaign. Chance for business didn't look great. 
but they've been incredible this season and they finished third totally on merit and whilst they're the outsiders here anyone who expects Forrest just to batter them I think could be could be coming unstuck because they've been very, very good with some quality players. Lewis O'Brien is a player who'll play in the Premier League next season, I'm sure, whether it's for Huddersfield or, or possibly the team we were just talking about down the road in Leeds, who are in for him in January. Sorba Thomas has been a revelation, uh, plucked from Boreham Wood in non-league. Probably the best set-piece delivery I've seen, uh, but pretty much at any level, to be honest. The way he, he strikes a football, especially with kind of free kicks from deep, is is pretty unbelievable. Um, and then Forrest, so many quality players. Brennan Johnson is the latest star uh, who will be playing at the very highest level very soon. Uh, Wales fans uh, are very excited about him and rightly so. He'll be the player that I think next season England fans will demand he's called up to the England squad before realising that he's actually Welsh. Um, Jed Spencer, right back, who's on loan from Middlesbrough, who's been linked to Arsenal, who tore Arsenal apart in the, in the FA Cup game as well Keenan Davis who's been an absolute revelation on loan from Villa he's been absolutely superb unplayable on his day as well so it should be a really exciting game Forrest are the favourites probably rightly so I think it will be as playoff finals are pretty cagey with some high moments of drama as well Um, but I wouldn't you know Forrest probably look to me to be the team who are best equipped uh, to press on if they do get promoted although they have had some issues under the current owner as well Um, but for Huddersfield it would be an incredible story and, and a just remarkable achievement from uh, Carlos Corbran if he does take them up. From an Albion point of view, I think I prefer Forrest to go up, yeah, get out the way of the championship, that. really. So, uh, But Huddersfield were third favourites to to go up for relegation at the start of the season, as George has pointed out. Incredible. I mean, we're all waxing lyrical about the job Steve Cooper's done and taking them from the bottom to the, you know, all the way up to the top and almost automatically promoted. But I think Corbran has done absolutely superb. And I'd be really pleased for him and Huddersfield if they went up personally. Thanks very much, guys. Just enough time for me to remind you to subscribe to The Athletic today and gain full access to all the brilliant articles and ad-free podcasts for just a pound a month for the first six months. To take advantage of that offer, head to theathletic.com slash footballpod. My thanks to George and Steve, as always, and of course, all of you for listening too, and thank you for listening throughout the season as well. Please remember to rate and subscribe so you don't miss our return ahead of the new Premier League season. You've been listening to The Athletic Football Podcast. Have a great weekend and enjoy the summer. The Athletic.